What's up, Echo Church? Welcome, everybody. So glad you're joining us today. South San Jose, Fremont, North San Jose, and Sunnyvale. You're all here with us. Even those of you watching online in your PJs, we're so glad you join us for the finale of Badish. Uh, this series has been fun, but it's also been important in the sense that it addresses a dark side of who we are. And it's uh, been very culture shifting for us also as a church. If you missed any of our messages the last three weeks, Pastor Andy brought some significant messages that were so powerful. I want to encourage you to catch up. Go online to YouTube or go to our website and you can catch up on all of the messages from the last three weeks. Well, today we're going to finish it up and we're going to talk about basically the the whole concept of sin. And the big idea for the series we've been in is basically this, that big regrets start with small bad choices. And we know what that's like. There's these little choices that we make that we think are not affecting us in any way until they lead to big regrets. And we're just taking a look, taking a look at what are those choices? What are the things that we've said, that we've done, that led to the regrets we have today? And then how do we address it? How do we really take an honest look at ourselves and address it from a heart level? Well, to illustrate how small things make a big impact, impact, I figured I would tell you one of my small mistakes that led to a big regret. But I was eight years old or so, and my family's from Brazil. We were living uh, in a big city, but we would go on weekends to a place called Achibaya. It was like the countryside of uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, and we would spend a weekend there. So one time, our whole family went to eat lunch at another family's house. They invited us to their house for lunch, and I was a very obedient child, as you can imagine. That was a joke. I was not. Uh, but I, like any other eight-year-old, I was bored during my lunchtime. So I, my brother and I finished eating lunch really quickly, and we uh, asked my parents, hey, can we go play in the field across the street? And now they were like dirt roads. It was not like a you know, paved environment. But uh, the, my parents said, yeah, what, what, what could happen? Go play in the field. That's fine. So they didn't know I had a box of matches in my pocket. And so I went across the house, and there was a huge field, and the field was surrounded by homes, but it was like a dried-up field. And my brother and I, my brother's a year older, um, we, set, we used a match, and we put some leaves together, and then uh, just a little bit, and then we lit the, the fire. And fire's cool, did you know that? Like, it, when you're a child, you're like, man, that's, that's pretty awesome. Like, we, we were able to do this. So I... I, uh, I watched the fire grow a little bit, and my brother was a little bit smarter than I, and he said, hey, let's put it out. I was like, why? Let's let it grow a little bit more. Let's have some fun. And so uh, he's like, all right. So then it grew a little bit more, maybe about like this big. And he goes, let's put it out. And, and he started to kind of get a little bit nervous. I'm like, no, man, let's let it grow. It's fine. Stop worrying. And then it started to grow a little bit more, and I'm like, yeah, let's put it out. And so we started to like step on it, and it kind of got out of control. And we began to argue, like, you go tell mom. No, you go tell mom. You go tell dad. And we were, like, debating who's going to go tell our parents. And by the time we figured it out, the field was on fire. Like, this whole field was burning. Smoke everywhere. So we finally ran, and I knocked on the door and opened it up. I was like, hey, I'm sorry. We set the field on fire. They looked out the house, and they're like, oh, my gosh. So everybody ran out of the house. Uh, we got the neighbors involved. We got banana leaves out of the banana. You know, banana trees started, like, banging the fire 
fire out and spread and burn the entire field. And like any good mom would do, my mom made my brother and I stand in front of the fire and she took a picture and she said, don't you ever forget what you have done with one small match. Now, the funny thing about this picture, you can't see it well because it's old, but I was actually laughing, uh, and she said, you better stop laughing. Make it, make me, uh, let me see you sad. And so we all did a little frown, my brother and I, and uh, fire is behind us. This is kind of near the end now, um, and we burned this entire field. My mom hung that picture on my refrigerator for like 10 years of my life. So I'd come home and it was just like a constant reminder, your small choices can lead to big regrets. Thank God the houses didn't burn on fire, but they almost did if it wasn't for the banana leaves. So that's the journey we're in. All these little decisions, a small gossip, it's like that, that regret that turned into discontentment, that turned into anger that we never dealt with. It's a person that hurt us that we chose not to forgive in the early days, but now on the other side of it, we're suffering the consequences of our social choices and some of the things that we decided to do. It's that one extra drink we took on the weekend that led us over uh, the top and, and uh, ma- made the huge mistake that we regret till this day. It's the little choices that lead to big, res- big regrets. Now, we're gonna dive in to a couple chapters of the Bible that are really deep. And I know at Echo, we have people from all backgrounds of faith and people in every place of the spiritual uh, spectrum, but I want to ask you to hang with me. We're going to go to Romans chapter 5. This is a letter by the Apostle Paul, and he wrote it basically to help us understand the basic uh, theological or doctrinal statements of Christianity. So this is like a lot of meat inside of it. But chapter 5, what I love about it is he gives an overview of sin. So he talks about like what, what, why it came into the world, how it did, and what it had to do with Jesus. And so what he starts with, he has this uh, phrase that he says is, when Adam sinned, this is the first human, sin entered the world, and Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Kind of like the coronavirus you know, like one, one virus went into one person, and from that one person, it is all over the world. That's basically what he's saying. Through Adam, that one choice of eating the one fruit that he was not supposed to eat, that symbolically represented the choice to disobey God, that one choice made us all now inherit sin. We are birthed out of sinful people, so we have a sinful nature. And through this person, he brought death to everybody because that's the consequence of our sin. Death is separation from our creator. And because of this one man's sin, all of us have now sinned and are subject to sin's consequences. But then what he does is he contrasts Adam and Jesus to help us understand really the history of sin and the significance of why Jesus had to come. So I'm just going to break it down for us. You can go back and read this a little bit later uh, on your own. But let me go to a chart that helps you understand a little bit of how he did it. So I'm just going to break down the verses. You don't have to remember all this, but I want you to just see the contrast, okay? So in Adam, he says in verse 515, through him sin entered and death came to all. So that one man brought death to all of humanity because of his one sin. Now in Jesus, when he came to the earth, grace entered 
and forgiveness was offered to all. In other words, before Jesus, there was no solution for the problem of sin in humanity. So for all of those years, we were subject to the consequences of death with no cure for it. But in Jesus, when he came, he took that sin that Adam brought and he took the death that was a consequence of that and he turned it into grace and forgiveness offered to all. Contrast. And he goes on, verse 16, sin, his sin, Adam's, led to condemnation, separation from God. The condemnation that we feel when we sin, that sense of shame, that's what Adam did. But Jesus, his grace brought restoration. Jesus came so that we don't have to live in condemnation. So when we live in condemnation today, it's purely by our choices. Because he came to deal with condemnation so we can be set free. And he goes on in verse 17. Adam caused death to rule over many. So while Adam's sin was ruling, that was it. There was no solution. But when Jesus came, he offered freedom from that sin and that death. So what Adam did, Jesus restored. He goes on, and he go, it goes like this in verse 18. His one sin, Adam, brings condemnation for everyone. His one act of righteousness brings new life for everyone. So through one man, condemnation came and sin. Through the other, in his act of righteousness, there was freedom in life. Verse 19, he's just repeating himself. His disobedience made us sinners, Jesus, his obedience makes us righteous. What we couldn't earn on our own, which is that right life, that life that is blameless before God so we can stand before, before a blameless God, what we couldn't do because of Adam making us inherit the sinful nature, Jesus did on our behalf. His one act of obedience on that cross was an act on behalf of us all. And then he offers right relationship with God. And then lastly, verse 21, he says, Adam made sin rule. This is really important. Before Jesus came to the earth, there was no solution. Like sin ruled. There was no, but there was some coverings. Like you had to sacrifice animals. There were some things that God said, like, hey, just to kind of cover you while I prepare for the Messiah, my sent one that will take this sin and break it from humanity. Until then, you kind of are under the subject, uh, you're subject to, to sin, and it brought separation from God. But Jesus, he made grace rule. And now gives us right relationship with God. See, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He didn't come for us to become this like ritualistic people. He came in essence so that we can be reunited with our God like it was in the beginning. And between Adam and Jesus, there was no way to do it. But then when Jesus came, he made a way. And then through faith, he says, you can receive what I did on your behalf. I paid the penalty for your death that came through Adam so that you can be free from it. This is really important to understand. But then he proposes this crazy question because he goes on and he helps us understand this a little bit more. He, he goes on to the next verse. He says this, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. When the Bible talks about law, by the way. It is not like the law of the land like we have today. It's the religious law, and it came through Moses. And the law was summarized in the Ten Commandments. Now, whether you're a believer or not, we all agree in every tribe in, in the world that 
this moral code of conduct is really the essence of our morality as humans. It, do not steal, do not murder, do not take someone's wife to be your own. All these kinds of things, you don't have to be a Christian to believe. But God gave us those things only so that we would recognize that we're sinful. Because in recognizing our brokenness, we would call to him as our savior and we would receive what he wanted to give us. But then he says this phrase is really imp- important, but as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant. In other words, there was no way for you to hide. There was no sin too big that he couldn't solve. And when Jesus came, he offered grace for all of our sins, past, present, and future. It was all solved with him. And then he says, so since God is so good, Since God is so gracious, since God is so loving, and he forgives all of our sins, he basically asks this question, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more of his wonderful grace? Should we keep on going? In the coronavirus illustration, if we find the cure, does that mean we can stop washing our hands? Some of you are looking forward to that day, you know, that you don't have to put hand sanitizer every three seconds because we're freaking out around the world. So if we find the cure, can we go ahead and high five each other again normally? Can we go ahead and stop washing our hands? Can we go ahead and not address the impurities of our lives? Because there's a cure anyway, since Jesus came to the world and he provided forgiveness, can we not just live the life that we want to live and forget about all the sin and all the past and just look to the future and not address the fact that we're broken? And then he gives us a resounding, of course not. This is not how it works. There's a cure, but you still gotta address the core issue. There's still something going on inside of us. And then he explains this through the illustration of baptism. And I love this because at all of our campuses today, we're gonna see this lived out. We're gonna see people get baptized and go under the water, symbolically representing their death of their past and their sins. And as they come out of the water, they're identifying with the resurrection of Jesus. And and Paul kind of talks about this. So he goes on and he says, since we have died to sin, in other words, we've, We've said, hey, sin, you, you are no longer my, my master. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? That that illustrated the fact that we decided by choice to turn from sin and turn to new life. He goes on to say, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, and now we get to live new lives. But he's saying for us to experience the new life, notice all the died, buried, dead words. He's saying if we want to have life, if we want to identify with his victory, we have to also identify with his death. We have to understand that there's a part of us that caused Jesus to have to go to the grave, that there is a darkness inside of us that we need to address before we live in the light. Sometimes we want the trophy without the sweat. We want to have the benefits of what Jesus did without addressing our sinfulness. Let me change subject and illustrate this a little bit differently. At all of our campuses today, are there any Warriors fans in the house? Can I hear you for a second? 
Look, I don't know about Sunnyvale or South or Fremont, but it was really weak here at North. And there's a reason for that. Because right now, the warriors suck. Right? And here's the thing that's human about us. The thing that's human about us is when the team is winning, it's our team. You know, like, we won! And in my house, we cheer when they hold the trophy. We got the trophy! And when they're, like, scoring threes, we made it! Like, all of this, like, it's all us. But then when they start losing, it's like, oh, that team, they lost. They're losers. And in my house now, like, my kids used to love the Warriors. Now they're all like, why are we watching that, Dad? It's stupid. Because we identify with a victory, but we don't want to identify with a suffering. And we don't want to go there because we, it's human for us. We don't want to look at our darkness. We, don't, we want the cake without having to bake it, right? We want the dessert, but we don't want to clean the kitchen. That's the, the, the human part of it. Let me ask you this. Any 49ers fans? Wow. I just stirred some emotion here in this campus. Here's the thing that's funny about this. There was a mixed crowd. If I asked you this question two years ago at every campus, I think the roar of applause would be even lower and the boos would be higher because this was a winning year aside from not winning the final game. But when we are winning, all of a sudden the 49ers was our team again. But when we're losing, it's like, man, that team really sucks. They are no good because we want to identify with the victory without having to identify with the death. That is human of us. We want the meal. We want the, the extra. We want the, the reward. We want the life, but we often don't want to look at the sin. And what Paul is saying to us, though, is that we need to be able to look at sin and address our brokenness if you want to have true life. You've got to put something in the tank if you want to come out washed. If you want to be bathed, you have to get in the water. A lot of us want to be cleansed, but we don't want to take a bath. We don't want to address our sinfulness, but he says in verse five, he says this, since we have been united with Christ in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. So if we unite in his death, in other words, if we acknowledge that there's a death to, that we need to experience, then we can also be united in him, in his life. We are raised to life. The resurrection power of Jesus fills our lives and fuels us for our mission but to do that, we have to address our sinfulness. And there's so many people that we walk around saying, God, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, but we're not willing to address our sinfulness. That's why we've been in this series, because we know that the scriptures teach us this, and we've seen it now, that there is no true freedom unless you realize that you are a slave, that we take it for granted unless we see our darkness. But when you've come out of jail and you're now free, and you've been there, you know that you've been there for years and years. Now you rejoice so differently. In verse 6, he says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. So that crucifixion of Jesus that dealt with sin and broke the power of death, it's ours. So when we come to him and we unite ourselves with him, sin loses its power. We're no longer slaves to sin. He goes on and he says this, for when we died with Christ, we're set free from the power of sin. And since we died with him, we know we will also live with him. But see, you got to die to live. That's what he's saying. You want the trophy, you got to hang on through the ride of addressing 
your brokenness. You gotta look in the mirror and acknowledge I am, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a porn addict, I've gossiped myself into this. My relationships are broken because of my mistakes and I'm owning it. My marriage is on the rocks because of my mistakes. If you wanna healed, you gotta address where you are. It's the little choices that lead to big regrets. I want to ask my daughter, Kaylin, to come on stage with me for a second. And can, you, can we at all of our campuses welcome Kaylin? Kaylin is uh, very special to me. But today, um, I'm going to chain her up a little bit. Um, here's the thing that happens to us. See, a lot of times, we, we think that Satan, the enemy, will come at us with a chain. But really, he doesn't come at us with a chain. He comes at us with a choice. It's a small decision. Come a little bit closer right here, Kaylin, so they can see you. It's a small decision, and it seems really innocent. Like, let me, let me put some of the wrong stuff in my brain. Let me go one weekend out with those people that I shouldn't. Let me just taste one, one, one taste of this. Let me just go ahead and, and just say something bad about that person. You know what? Let me take one look at that sexual impurity. And what he's doing is he's, he's putting little links. See, our choices, though, today become our chains for tomorrow. So everything that we do, can we put this up for a second? Let me help you see this. Your choices today are becoming tomorrow's chains. And all these little links that are on our arm, and they might look okay for now, and they're not weighing us down until the enemy comes at us, at us with a chain to hold us back. Now, if he came at you, Lily, Kaylin, not Lily, Lily's later, if she, he came at you with this, would you be okay with it? You would run, right? You would run, yes, you would run, because it's really heavy and scary. But he didn't come at you with the chain. He came at you with a choice. And by the way, it does often start right here. It's those hurts that even happen to us that we choose not to forgive that let us to have a distorted view of life, of sexuality, of morality. It's those little choices that, that st- stuck with us that we didn't address it in the beginning. But now, you wanna go fulfill your purpose in life and you, you got some chains on you. And every time you go, won't you, won't you go fulfill your purpose, Kayla? No, you're not, you're gonna stay right here. You found, you found that, that boy, right? Like, no, you're growing up a little bit. Like, uh, <laughs> Maybe it's like 15 years from now, you found the special one, and obviously it's your first boyfriend at that point, um, and you want to go you know, have a healthy marriage and honor God with your marriage, and why don't you go, go and try over there? Well, yeah, keep going. No, no, you're not. You're going to stay right here. You know why? Because your choices right now are really becoming your chains for tomorrow, and that choice became a habit, which then formed your identity, and now... If you have given yourself to sinful desires and choices, it's all deposits in your brain. And now, if you're a guy in the room, for example, a lot of us struggle with this. You have a hard time seeing women as human beings, they're objects because the small choices of looking at them in the object of your hands, in your phone. And sometimes it happens also with women and sometimes the choices of gossiping that we do in the early stages of life mold who we are. So we think our words really don't matter. And so we try to establish healthy relationships going up and we say join an echo group and you're scared. 
You're scared now to live out your purpose because for so many years, you were enslaved to this little choice that you made that became your chain. And now socially, you don't know how to interact with people anymore because you have unresolved conflict in your life that you never dealt with. Does this feel good? No? Why don't you stand here a little bit? Um, Let me uh, come on this side right here, Kayla. I'm gonna make it this, just so you don't don't run. I'm just gonna come right here. And I'm gonna chain you up a little bit closer to this. Let me see if I can do this so that you don't uh, escape my chains, Kaylin. I'm gonna go right here for you. Just lock you up. Let me see if I can do this. There you go. Yeah, well you can go for a walk if you want. Yeah, does that feel good? No, there's people here. As you're listening to me, you know that there's, there's some weight you've been carrying around for decades. And it's, it's come up several times. In fact, you've been attending Echo or you've come a couple times and you know that every time we talk about this, that memory comes back. It's a small decision that led to a big chain. And now you're trying to live out. When we make these calls and we say, why don't you worship? Why don't you live free? Why don't you take and invite somebody to come with you to Echo? Why don't you share your life? Why don't you lead with generosity? All of the chains of the past are holding you back now. Can you back up a little bit for me, Kaylin? Go, just go back up. Yeah, you can. You can drag it, drag it back a little bit more. You can do it? No? I'll help you. Let me go back a little bit more like this. There you go. You guys feeling sorry for her? Let me show you another verse here. Go, go to the next one. Paul goes on and he says, don't let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to sinful desires. See, it's been solved already. See, we don't have to be chained up when we come to Jesus. He goes on and he says, don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. This is the beauty of baptism again. When we go under the water, it's not just our wallet or our feet or our hands or our minds. It's the whole body because what we're saying is these old chains, they're going to stay behind in that water. And when you come out, there's a new life that we can experience. He says, so give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. You do not have to carry the chains So he says, so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. You see, the point of being released from your chains, I'm sorry if you're going to have purple wrists here, Kaylin, later mom can uh, discipline me. Um, The point of letting go of the chains is not so that we can just stand around and say, I'm free. That's what a lot of people do even when they come to faith. Pastor Andy talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you miss it, you gotta go listen to it, that the point of being released from the chains is so that we can be on mission. So that when God says to us, now go and be generous, we don't have a chain of debt tied to us. So that when God says, go and find a spouse that'll help me fulfill uh, my mission through you, now we don't have chains holding us back because we're free. See, sin is no longer your master. In fact, go to the next verse here with me. It's not your master. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Now we have a new master, a new identity. These old chains just become your story. And as you tell of the grace of God to people around you, you can refer to the old chains, but they're not your chains anymore. In fact, you can choose your chains now. 
And there's a new chain that you can chain yourself to, but it's a chain of grace. And it's a chain of freedom. And it's a chain of new identity. And this is the chain that we can choose because it leads to life. And the honest truth is this, that whatever we choose to obey is what becomes our master. In fact, can we go to the next verse here real quick? Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? And we all would choose something. We're gonna serve something. You might be serving Google right now. You might be serving a relationship right now. You might be serving a career vision that you have or be or money itself. And that is what is our master right now. And what Paul is saying is you don't have to be enslaved to your sin. You can attach yourself to a new master. And the new master will give you grace and will give you freedom from all of it. So now you're free from slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. So now when you want to go do something that God's called you to do, he's the one that's guiding you in it. He's the one, and this is the chain of God's love. In fact, when you try to run, you've committed, you're dead to your past, and you want to run away from God. Why don't you try to run away from him? No, you're not. You're going to stay here because God will hold you close. And this is why the scripture says there is no sin that can separate you from the love of God. Like his love will reach you to the deepest ocean. You might think that you now can do, you know, uh, your sin maybe separated you from God again and, and it's too deep for God to forgive and he will constantly embrace you and remind you that his grace is enough and his love reaches us and we are free to fulfill the purpose he has for us. Can we give Kaylin a hand together? Let me set you free before you go. I don't want you carrying chains. Thank you, Kaylin. I wonder... What is the choice that God is asking you to deal with? Because you see, just as some choices lead to bad chains, other choices lead to a new identity. Paul started writing his letters, and instead of saying, I'm a slave to sin, he started saying, I'm a servant of Christ. Here I am. And just like the small choices lead to bad habits, some choices can also lead to good habits and new identity. So the choice to worship, it just starts with one choice, but that choice can become a new habit, and that habit can form your new identity, and the choice to serve, and the choice to forgive, and the choice to extend grace, and the choice to to jump in and say, God, use me as an instrument of your love to those around me. Those choices can also lead to new freedom chains. They're the ones that will lead us to a life that God designed us to live. What's the choice for you? What is it that God's asking you to do? See, at just a minute, all of our campuses, we're gonna celebrate baptism. And I think there's some people in our campuses today that maybe you didn't come ready to get baptized, but this is your moment. This is your moment, and you've been waiting for it, and you haven't submerged yourself fully into God yet and completely given yourself to him, you haven't displayed it in that act of baptism, and this is your moment to drop some old chains in the pool. And we're actually gonna ask you, as we sing a song in a minute, to step out of your seats if you're getting baptized at all of our campuses, and there's volunteers that'll be in the back with a change of clothes, and they'll give you everything you need, or just jump in with your clothes already on. It's fine, and God's gonna set some people free. But as we get ready and as you examine your own hearts, I want to show you just four stories 
of people today that are going into the pool at all of our campuses. And maybe you can find yourself in one of these as you examine what is it that God's asking you to do. Let me start with Michelle. Michelle here is, uh, she grew up Catholic and she, actually she didn't grow up Catholic. She grew up attending church, but she left church when her family decided to leave because they were hurt by something that happened in her church. So then she decided to abandon faith as a young child until in high school, a friend invited her back to be in church again. And then she started attending and faith became her own, but she skipped around for a long time until she actually came to Echo for the first time last Sunday because someone invited her. And she's listening to Pastor Andy's message and she knew without a shadow of a doubt that this is the moment for her. I need to make a decision that's now my choice to put my faith in Jesus. And she's going under the water, leaving her old chains behind and identifying with new life. Can we celebrate that together, all of our campuses? Let me tell you the next one. This is Titus, Titus Williams. Titus is only eight years old, this cool little kid right here. And he came to his parents about a year ago. He was reading the Bible on his own. He said, Mom, Dad, I want to get baptized. And they kind of wrestled with it. Like, he's kind of young for that. And then he started, he, he would watch people get baptized. He read it in the Bible. He goes, Dad, I want to get baptized. I decided to follow Jesus. And his parents prayed about it. And they saw that his faith was so genuine. And it was so innocent. And it was childlike. And they said, you know what? This is your choice. Once you go in the water, so today Titus in Sunnyvale is going under the water to celebrate. I'll tell you another one. This is Anthony. Met Anthony about a month or two ago, and Anthony was incarcerated for many years. He got involved with gang life and took him into a dark, dark path, hard even to talk about. But while he was in jail, he hit rock bottom, and right there in his cell, he cried out to Jesus, and Jesus rescued his soul. And he stood back up as a new man while he was still behind bars. He began to read the scriptures. He got trained up. He got ordained while in prison to be a minister. He uh, recovered from his addictions. He came out of prison because his connection to Echo and his commitment to be a part of a local community. And every week he is here now and he's proclaiming the message of Jesus to those around him. And today he's leaving some chains in the pool as well. Isn't that cool? He's at the Fremont campus, and let me tell you one about the last one at the North campus. Can you go to the next one? This is Donna. See, Donna grew up Catholic, and her parents got her baptized when she was a baby, but it was their decision. She had faith inside of her heart, but there came a point in her life, about a year ago, she started coming to Echo. It came a point in her life where she said, you know what? This is not just my family's faith. Like, I want to make this my own faith. I want to live in the freedom of Christ on my own. And so after wrestling with it for a while, today she's making the decision to go under the water and leave her old life behind and come out as a new person. That is some good news for us today at Echo Church. I want to ask all of our campuses to stand with me for a minute because what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song together. And during this song, I want to ask you to do a couple of things, to, to just... Hear God, what is he saying to you? What are the choices that you need to make today? 
If it's the choice to get baptized, leave your seat and go to the back and let our volunteers get you what you need. If it's the choice to forgive or to restore or to pursue something that God's already been stirring in you about, this is your moment to make that decision, maybe to write it down. If you've already been set free, this is your moment to worship because as we sing, we're gonna celebrate people getting baptized We're going to celebrate the fact that God raises the dead, that he is the one that can restore all of our brokenness. And this is our moment to relinquish control and give them our lives fully. So Father, we come to you, all of us, God, with hands open, with hearts open and available to you. We pray that you would release every chain, that you would break it, that we would not be held bound, God, by these sins of the past, but that today we would embrace grace that Jesus, what you did on that cross and you shaming the enemy's work, that it'll become reality for each one of us. Would you wash us clean? And as we celebrate the good news that you restore lives, would you rise up in us with joy? Would you allow us to be your instruments in in this land, God? Would you use our lives to echo around the Bay Area your love with no restriction? Would you give us resurrection power, Holy Spirit? and remind us that we belong to you and our chains are gone. In Jesus' name.